Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Up here on this stage, right up here. I will shake your hand. And now, Robbie, let's look over here and see what you can win. Open those doors and show us a new car. A 1977 Chevette, a four-passenger car from Chevrolet that's roomy in size and space and simple in service and operation. The Chevy Chevette. It's equipped with deluxe bumpers, body side molding, remote port mirror, AM FM radio, power brakes, 1.5 liter engine, and intermittent windshield wiper system. We have another game for you. You may win this. A new sports car. It's a Stingray Corvette, America's true production sports car with full independent suspension, disc brakes on all four wheels, side guard, door beams, and new front resilient body color bumper. It's also equipped with steel belted radial white wall tires and air conditioning. It's the Corvette by Chevrolet. Robert, thank you. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Button up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, this is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Right on your computers and Google Tan Talk 1340.com, and you can see us live. Yes, live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. But this is our special SEMA edition show. Now, we're not at SEMA this year in Las Vegas. We are here in Clearwater. But since we're big SEMA fans, big SEMA supporters, we are going to do a special feature show. We got some uh, pretty cool guys lined up with some pretty cool products that. I know everybody can use, two of which I have used in the past, one I use on a regular basis. So, having said that, good evening, Tom Terrific. <laughs> I heard that on the show earlier today, and I said, I got to do that. Good evening, Robert. <laughs> Tom, took Tom, me back there. I, yeah, well, you know, um, there used to be that cartoon back in the day, Tom Terrific, and I was going to try to find and get the uh, little, you know, the little thing that they used to do. Remember how he used to make that funny? He's the guy that wore the little upside down funnel, right? Tom Terrific. I, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, you can Google it, Tom Terrific. But at any rate, um, yeah, I used to. That was a uh, everyday morning uh, TV show that we used to watch back in the '60s. And I'm not sure if it was on Captain Kangaroo's show or not, but at any rate, everybody remembers Captain Kangaroo, right, Tommy? You remember Captain Kangaroo? Yeah. So uh, that was a good show. That Mr. Green Jeans and uh, and Moose, I think it was Moose, wasn't it? Something like that. But anyway, uh, Mr. Moose. But anyway, so that's it. Harry <laughs> Tunes presents. Looks like a funnel. It is. The real great adventures of me, Tom Terrific. There we go, Tom Terrific. 
So, Tommy the Wonder Boy. On I the, gotta tell you, I don't think I ever saw that. No. Okay. Well. Okay. So we'll have to. But play. I like the funnel on. Yeah. His <laughs> That's uh, your new intro. Now we'll do that on the show on a regular basis. There, Tom. Terrific. Anyway, Eddie's terrific behind the uh, the all that all those gadgets back there. You know, he's uh, the production engineer here. So anyway, all right. So what we do this past weekend? We asked this weekend was pretty uh, exciting actually because. Um, uh, and I'll make it short because we have a guest coming on here in a minute. But uh, we had to go down to Sarasota to appraise a vehicle down there, a crashed motorhome. And uh, once I left there, I proceeded on down to Fort Lickerdale or Lauderdale, excuse me, Lauderdale, Lauderdale. And uh, we went to um, the Fort Lauderdale concourse. Um, that was a pretty exciting. Event. I got to tell you, I really, truly liked that. Um, we had uh, Maria Janache on our show a couple weeks ago, and we're going to have her back on. Uh, very sweet person, but the show was pretty interesting because it was on a rooftop at a parking garage overlooking the, um, as she called it, Millionaire's Row, which is all those beautiful home, waterfront homes down there in Fort Lauderdale, right on the shoreline there and right next on, on the beach, basically, and across uh, or right next to Las Olas Avenue. Matter of fact, next weekend, or this coming weekend, is uh, uh, an exotic car show on Las Olas Avenue in Lauderdale, and we may go down for that. I'm not sure, but... Lauderdale's a happening place. It's changed a lot since I've been there. You know, I used to go there back in the 70s. I used to go to the boat shows um, and just you know, just drive around and hunt for cars, you know. Um, but at any rate, so the show was really good, uh, very good food. Entertainment was good. Um, the awards presentation was good. My friend uh, Lorraine from Vantage Motor Works, uh, their Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud 2-1 took first place. And rightfully so, because it was a beautiful cabriolet. Those cars are probably bringing about a half a million dollars these days. Kind of a rare car. But what was interesting, and the car garnered a tremendous amount of attention. A, it's a Rolls-Royce. B, it had one of the best locations on the parking garage facility. Um, And the lighting was perfect. But people, they allowed people to sit in the car and take pictures. Well, I happened to be standing there talking to Mr. Gorman, who owns Vintage Motor Works, and uh, Lorraine, who's the manager there. And... uh, they just I was taking pictures with people um, for people in the car and it was really cool I mean it was just kind of like uh, I don't know if you remember the TV show back in the day maybe you do Tommy Burke's Law um, he drove a Rolls Royce Silver Cloud in there but he had a sedan but this is just a really really neat car my friend up in Birmingham Alabama also has one they're, they're very rare cars so Mulner bodied chassis car you know but people don't realize like a lot of these Rolls Royces and Bentleys and stuff they are coach built cars so there's a production car, but then if you wanted something unusual, you would either have Parkboard or Molnar or something like that um, build the bodies. And then, of course, there was a company in the United States back in the day that did it. It was called Murphy, and Murphy did some really exotic stuff. And they were pretty much located in California, so they did a lot of the Hollywood cars. So you could buy a chassis, Rolls-Royce chassis, Duesenberg chassis, Bentley chassis, Cadillac chassis, Lincoln chassis, whatever. And then you go to Murphy, and they would build you something really cool. And, of course, you know, guys like Clark Gable and and um, and Cary Grant and – and uh, 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 some of the, uh, some of the well-known actors, and my my mind just went blank. That's dementia setting in again. Um, they would have these custom cars built. Of course, Clark Gable was kind of like the uh, Jay Leno of the period. He had an amazing collection of cars. I mean, he was just in everything, and he had a lot of custom-bodied stuff. You know, a lot of unusual stuff. So, and that's cool. That's cool. So, at any rate, a um, couple of the notable cars were up there. One was a Lamborghini. Mura SV that caught me by surprise. I voted for that. Um, I thought that I should be there. But other than that, I mean, they had some Porsches, some Jaguars, some E types, uh, all original '63 split window, 300 horse, 350 or 327. Uh, and real live AC 427 Cobra 66 car was there. A '65 Shelby was there. A '67. Uh, Mustang Trans M car, which I thought was kind of interesting, but those three cars belong to a collector, a local collector um, out of Fort Lauderdale. Interesting cars. Uh, I think it was a Volvo ES 1800. It was a 918 Porsche. And um, so a Datsun 240Z, a really nice one there. And, you know, just some real, and then some other Lamborghinis, a Countach, uh, uh, I don't know, a couple of them. At any rate, it was really neat because as the sun went down 
and the lights came on. It was a very, even though there was probably five, 600 people, you know, on and off, coming and going, everybody had a good time. And it's a lot of camaraderie. A lot of people knew each other. There was a lot of people down there I knew that I'd known from other events around the country, you know, whether it was uh, Amelia Island or Pebble or SEMA or um, Scottsdale or something like that. So, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, there's, uh, there's, these are like family reunions. They're pretty cool. But the South Florida um, car scene is going to um, really take off here. And I was, there's another big event, and it's coming up in January, end of January, and it's called the Motor Car Cavalcade. That should be interesting. That's going to be very much um, like the Quail. And it's an all-inclusive event. It takes place at the JW Marriott in uh, Miami, which is a very prestigious um, piece of real estate down there, hotel. And uh, so um, as we get closer and closer to that time, I will um, bring you some more information on that. The next day, of course, this happened to tie in perfectly with the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. So that was pretty cool. So the next day I went to the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. And, of course, the first place I went was made a beeline for the uh, Mercury guys because I'm a Mercury fan, Mercury outboards and boards engines. And they got some pretty trick pieces. There was one there at, say, 600 horse, 12 cylinder outboard. Now think about that, a 12 cylinder outboard, 600 horsepower. So it's all about torque. They had a boat on display that had four of them bad boys on the back. That's 2,400 horsepower on the back of a 35 foot boat, fishing boat basically. And what was really cool, the motors were very, very tight together, but the only thing that changed, you didn't, you didn't steer the, the outboards, you steer the, the lower units would turn. Which was really cool, and it had two counter ro- two two props on it, counter rotating, which was kind of interesting as well. So we're going to have a representative from Mercury come on and talk to us a little bit about some of the uh, really cool boats or engines that Mercury's got on the market nowadays. Because engine uh, boat motors have changed a lot in 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 recent years, the technology, and um, and of course as far as boats, I went right to cigarette. I'm a big cigarette fan. I owned a Top Gun at one point in time. And 38 cigarette, and that, that was my favorite boat, and it still is my favorite boat. Well, they came out with a classic version of it. They've actually reproduced a limited edition of 38 Top Guns. Even though they changed the hull and the deck on the newer boats, the older one, they're using the old style, and they're reintroducing that boat and building a limited edition of them. And it's a composition Kevlar carbon fiber body, so it's a fairly light boat. Well, I shouldn't say fairly light. I mean, I think mine was like 10,500 pounds, and this is about 1,000 pounds lighter. You know, same um, beam and and uh, draw on and the whole nine yards. So, uh, but the 38 cigarette is just a classic cigarette boat and it's designed by Don Arno. In fact, uh, we're trying to get Bob Sassenti on the show because he built the very first and the winning uh, Apache, which was basically modeled off a cigarette hull deck and hull. And he just kind of tweaked it a little bit, and it uh, they, they built a 42-footer, and uh, it's a very, very, very interesting boat, very fast boat, and very historical boat. In fact, it just recently sold again on um, Bring a Trailer. But nonetheless, there was uh, some amazing boats there, a lot of yacht brokers, a lot of small boats, big boats, and cars. You know, got to have, if you're going to have boats, you're going to have to have supercars there. There's Ferraris on display, Porsches on display. But one of the interesting things, and I haven't posted it on my Facebook page yet, but I will, but I was able to board and check out a 180-foot yacht. Now, that was kind of interesting. A 180-foot yacht, which is capable of crossing the Atlantic or traveling the world. You know, when you look at those big vessels, now I've been on major ocean liners, so 1,000 feet. I've been on the QE2, the SS Bremen, the SS Raffaello, the SS Michelangelo, and I've crossed the Atlantic many times. And it's interesting because you're out, you know, typically, you know, you see a boat on a trailer. It looks big, put in the water, it shrinks. Well, now imagine an ocean liner out in the middle of the Atlantic, it turns into a dinghy. It's pretty frightening when you think about it because you look around and you see nothing, just water, water, and more water. Um, you know, typically they travel coastlines a little bit, you know, up around there, you know, where the Titanic bumped into an iceberg or two. And, uh, you know, and then they come down, you know, but I don't know if any of them that really cross straight across. You know, I think they always try to stay within a reasonable um, distance, proximity, if you will, of some sort of coastline. Just in case. But anyway, on that note, I'm going to have Tommy fire up. I think we need to fire up some really, some serious Ted Nugent. How about some stranglehold? Is that what you got queued up there? We're in the mood for some stranglehold. 
And uh, hey, you're tuned to Nostalgic Radio and Cars Don't Touch That Dial. We will be right back with our SEMA show special. We got some pretty interesting guys coming on with some pretty interesting products. So hey, tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars Don't Touch That Dial. We'll be right back. enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm delighted to welcome my first guest from live from Las Vegas, from SEMA, Kevin Hone, and he represents a product that I use on a regular basis, and that is Seafoam. Kevin, welcome to Nostalgic Radio Cars. How are you doing this evening? We are doing fantastic, Ken, live from SEMA. Live from SEMA, yeah, I'm glad you said that. So now, are you over in the Apex building? Is that where you're at, or are you in the SEMA buildings? We are in the SEMA building, and we're in the uh, performance and racing area. Oh, so you're in Central Hall. Central Hall, booth number 20034. Super. All right, so, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's uh, lay it on us about Seafoam, because I have a bunch of questions. you got a bunch of questions. I'm not so sure how much I want to tell you about myself. (laughs) No, 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 about uh, Seafoam, Seafoam, (laughs) Seafoam. Uh, well, I've been with Seafoam 18 years, uh-huh. uh, and uh, been selling one of the best products uh, in the automotive aftermarket. Uh, that was good for any engine, really. Okay. So, 
Uh, it's just easy to use. It's consumer friendly. It's an all petroleum product. Easiest thing to do is just pour it in a gas tank and drive it. Uh, but you can also put it in the oil to help clean up all the sticky stuff internally and then uh, do an oil change and get all that junk out of your engine. So give us a little history on seafoam. I mean, seafoam, I'm thinking, was it originally intended for uh, outboard engines, marine engines? Is that what it was? Yes. Uh, back in the late 30s, a gentleman uh, who worked in the oil business, him and his brother also uh, co-owned a uh, small little fishing boat. And back then, they mixed white gas and motor oil as the uh, fuel mixture. Well, white, if it was white left gas to meaning... set too long, it would turn to a hard varnish. Okay, white gas, is that unleaded gas? Is that what that is? When you Are you there? Uh, call him right back. I, th- did we, I Somehow we lost him, unless we got disconnected there. We are. We were talking a few minutes there with uh, Kevin Hone from Seafoam, and he was just in the process of giving us a little history on... Are we there? Kevin, are you there? Hello? Kevin, somehow we keep losing him. Uh, I know they're in a warehouse there. Well, big, giant, multi-million square foot uh, convention centers... You know, I got to tell you, SEMA is the lar- second largest convention that takes place in Las Vegas. And on an average, there's 27, 2,800 vendors and 275 to 300,000 people walk through SEMA. How are we doing there, Tommy? Tom, terrific. He's, he's Tommy scrambling to, scrambling to man the phones. We there? We got Kevin back? What happened? We have a... Did our computers go down? Can you hear me? Are we there? Yeah, I can hear you. Kevin, can you hear me? Oh, you're back. Okay, so we lost you there for a second. Now you're back. It's like you're coming in and out. We're, we're, you're still in, uh, in Central Hall, right? Still in Central Hall, yep. Okay, so now for you're telling... For some tell- reason, we had a break in there. Okay, no no worries. Okay, so you're telling us about uh, how those, these two brothers that had a uh, fishing boat. Now, is white gas... My interpretation of white gas is unleaded fuel. Is that correct? When you say white gas? Uh, well, it was, uh, and I'm not sure the technical term of it, uh-huh. what white gas was back in the day. I know it was something that was used for, uh, like, lanterns. Oh, okay. White uh, white gas for camping fuel. Okay, so maybe it was like diesel. And, and so, but they used this mixture, and it turned to varnish real bad after it sat a while. Well, right. Every time Fred got ready to go fishing. You had to tear the carburetor apart, clean up all the varnish, get the motor running again, and then go have fishing. Right. And then every time he got ready to go fishing, they had to do this. So they went into the lab in the oil refinery and came up with this mixture of petroleum products that kept that fuel from turning to varnish. And so Fred would take the raw materials home, mix it up in the garage, put it into old fruit jars or whiskey bottles, wine bottles, whatever he could get his hands on, and sell it to everybody else who had the same issue. And back then, they put a little bit of blue dye into it, which gave it a seafoam green color. Ah, And okay. because it was a marine product, it was uh, one of his friends kind of nicknamed it seafoam. Okay. And the name stuck, and the rest is history. Wow, amazing. Okay, so how many different products does seafoam actually produce, and is seaf- is it owned by a parent company or Seafoam Seafoam? Seafoam is Seafoam. We're a privately, uh, family, family-owned company. Okay. And we've got, uh, what do we have, 12 different products, uh-huh. 13 different products, and we even have a marine specialty product now. Okay. So we've got the Seafoam Motor Treatment, which is our number one selling product. Mm-hmm. We've got seafoam spray for the upper intake for the new GDI engine. Okay. We've got a high mileage product for the high mileage late model engine. Okay. Which is flying off the shelf. Really? Uh, we've got a uh, concentrated injector cleaner only, which is just a uh, inexpensive pop and pour into the tank, and it's just for an injector cleaner. And we've got a spray penetrant and lube called Deep Creep. 
uh, Transtune, which is a good uh, additive for to help clean up your transmissions or power steering, anything hydraulic drive. And we've got Bugs Be Gone, which is a good multi-use cleaner for interior or exterior. Uh-huh. Uh, we just came out with a couple of new detailing products, which is uh, called Fast Finish Interior Detailer. And we have a Fast Finish Exterior Detailer. Okay. So it's kind of a pop, you know, spray and shine type product. Mm-hmm. Uh, interior detailer, something that can be done used on the glass, on the dashboard, your touch screens. And it just leaves a nice neutral finish and puts a little UV coating on there to help protect your interior. Okay. Now, the the injector uh, um, cleaner that you have, is that for gasoline and diesel or gasoline or diesel? The five-and-a-quarter-ounce concentrated injector cleaner is for gas engines only. Okay. Now, the regular uh, seafoam that I have been buying at the store, at the parts house... Now, that I've been using in my diesels, and it actually quiets my diesel down a little bit. What? Uh, and I've actually put it in the fuel, and I've also mixed it with the oil. Okay. Well, seafoam is more lubrication than it is anything. Okay. To help protect the motor. Okay. But uh, with the right combination of cleaners and, and uh, some other pro- uh, petroleum products, uh, it cleans, lubricates helps control a little bit of moisture, and it's safe to use in the gas basically at any dilution ratio. Okay. But when it comes to the engine oil, one ounce per quart. One ounce per quart. Yep. Okay. Now the... So, okay, I was going to say, before you do an oil change, put uh, the uh, proper amount of seafoam in the oil. Right. And drive it for 100 to 300 miles. Right. Let it do its cleaning. Right. And then change your oil. And change the oil. And then just put fresh oil and don't add any seafoam again? Uh, just go back to fresh oil, or you can add that one ounce per quart to the new oil as well and leave it in there. Okay. Now, what is it that, because when I put it in my diesel fuel, what I did, because I have a 7.3, so I took up where the filter uh, um, is in the front there, and I filled that full of seafoam. Then I put... Uh, a bunch in the in the fuel tank, and uh, it actually got my diesel to kind of, you know, straighten out a little bit. And it's a three hundred and twenty nine thousand mile seven three, so I was pretty impressed with the stuff. And I and I've never tried it before, but I did this a couple of years ago, and I've been using it ever since. So, what's the secret, or can you tell us? Well, it's it's the cleaning and the lubrication it did for your injector. Okay. Uh, our base product is such a uh, high-temp lubricating oil, and it likes heat. Oh, it likes it heat. It works better, yes. Ah. Like heat. Yep. Okay. So, and, you know, if you had never done an injector clean on that motor. Never. So we got rid of the gum and the varnish uh, internally on those injectors and cleaned out the spray nozzles. And so I can see where it would have uh, started easier, run smoother and cleaner. Might even get some better fuel mileage. Uh, actually, that I can't say yet because I wasn't paying attention, but I will say that it ran better, so I was pretty impressed with yep. it. Now, let me ask you this. Now, they have, uh, there's other products on the market that compete with Seafoam. What makes Seafoam better? And I, I don't want to use, you know, like Marvel Mystery Oil. A lot of people put Marvel Mystery Oil in, you know, to mix with a transmission every once in a while, or they put it in their fuel, um, as an additive and stuff, so... But what other products out there compete with Seafoam? Well, there's several other products out there that try to compete with us, but and a lot of our competitors have their own attributes. Okay. But I sell Seafoam because it's an all-petroleum product. I can put a full can of Seafoam in one gallon of gas, or I can put it in 20. I will not hurt the fuel system or the engine. Okay. Now, if people yeah, want to... Some of our com- competitors use different products, then you really have to watch your dilution rate. Okay. Now, if people want to purchase the product, where they can, where is Seafoam available? Seafoam's available at most automotive stores, hardware stores, farm stores. Okay. Grocery and, stores, even. Okay. 
Now, where uh, is the, the big box stores? Okay, very good. Where is Seafoam based out of? Seafoam's corporate office is in Chaska, Minnesota. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A little southwest suburb of the Twin Cities. Okay. Uh, but we blend all of our product and warehouse all of our product in the uh, Chicago area. Okay. So it is 100% American-made? Yes, it is. Very good. That's uh, that's what we try to do on the show. We try to preach American products. Buy American. That's good. So uh, a couple other products that uh, I also wanted to mention is that sure. we came out with a full synthetic oil stabilizer. Okay. Uh, which is can be used in either synthetic or standard weight oils. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing a five-quart oil change or a six-quart oil change, you just leave out one of your quarts of oil and add our oil stabilizer to help improve lubrication and uh, extend the life of the oil. Okay. And protect the motor. Do you... uh, we also came out with a uh, all-makes-and-model power steering fluid, which is full synthetic. Okay. It uh, works with the American cars as well as the imports. All righty. Um, let me ask you this. Do you make anything like a fuel stabilizer? Let's say, for example, in marine applications or vehicles that don't get driven a lot, vintage vehicles, for example, and they sit for a longer period of time. Do you have any kind of a fuel stabilizer? Does Seafoam make anything like that? Or is Seafoam, if added to the fuel, does it suffice as a stabilizer? Seafoam motor treatment is one of the best fuel stabilizers on the market. Uh, Stabilize the fuel for at least two years. Oh, really? And then what should the ratio be? Do you know offhand? At one ounce of seafoam per gallon of gas. Okay. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for hanging out with us here. Um, I know that uh, the uh, shop closes over there at uh, SEMA closes right around 5 o'clock, so you got a few minutes to get ready yet. But I want to thank you very much, and we will push Seafoam on our radio show. In fact, we'd love to have you guys as sponsors. But anyway, I use it, so if I use it and I tell people about it, it's because I believe in it, and I don't mind getting behind it. So I want to thank you very much for telling us about it. And, and does uh, Seafoam have a website where they can get information? Yes, it does. It would be www.seafoamworks.com. Super. There's a lot of good uh, how-to videos, and thank you for having us. And uh, I'll tell you, we've had so many compliments on our product today from all the people here at the SEMA show. It's just fun to be here and talk with them and hear their stories. Excellent. So, well, Kevin, okay. you have thank a great you. evening, and thank you for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and yeah. Cars. Thanks for having us, bud. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Seafoam. That is uh, some pretty cool stuff. Tommy, why don't you go ahead and uh, let's play a little BTO. How about, uh, since we're talking cars and trucks, how about four-wheel drive from Bachman Turner Overdrive? We'll be right back with our next group of guys from SEMA.
Okay, we're back and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You know, I should have somebody on from Kickers because uh, that song and Stranglehold probably were responsible for blowing speakers out of my cars years ago. But anyway, since we're on a lubrication trip tonight from SEMA, I'm delighted to welcome to the show a couple of guys that uh, sell some lubrication, some pretty cool, groovy, purple stuff called Royal Purple. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Rusty and Chris. Rusty and Chris, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. So who do I have? Myself. All right. So Chris, say hi. Hey. All right. And Rusty, say hi. Hi. Okay, good. Now I can tell the difference in the voices. Okay, so you guys are the uh, Royal Purple guys. Tell us a little bit about Royal Purple. Well, first introduce yourselves a little bit. Tell us a little bit who you are. we got a little bit of time here. And then uh, which building are you guys in? Are you in Apex or are you in uh, Central Hall? We're actually at Apex and SEMA, but uh, right now we're at the SEMA and the Central Hall where all the cool stuff's happening. That's the cool stuff, yeah. We just had uh, Kevin Holman on from uh, Seafoam, so he must be down the road from you there where all the other lube guys are. But anyway, all right, so Kevin, uh, I mean, uh, Rusty, give us a little background on yourself real quick. Sure. Um, I'm the marketing director for Royal Purple. Okay. I've been doing this kind of stuff for about 30 years now, so uh, love coming to to SEMA and seeing all the, the fun here. Chris calls it a, it's a automotive circus, so it's uh, always a, a blast to be here and, and see what the new trends are and, and uh, what kind of crazy builds everybody has. Super. All right. So uh, I need you guys to step about uh, 10 feet apart because you're bleeding over one another over there. So okay. at least on, on this end. So you can stand one end of the booth and then uh, Chris on one side and Rusty on the Okay, go ahead. Next guy. Uh, my name is Chris Barker. I'm the technical services manager for Royal Purple, uh-huh. and I've uh, been doing it for, I don't know, almost 12 years, I guess. So, in a nutshell, uh, I help people, my department helps people with applications, using the right product the right way, making sure that they're happy and getting what they want from the product. Okay, now you guys are what? Is Royal Purple based out of Texas? Uh, that's correct. We okay. are based in Porter, Texas, which is about 30 miles north of Houston. Now, if I remember correctly, me being a diehard Ford guy, street racer, all that kind of stuff, it seemed to me that uh, didn't Carol Shelby kind of sponsor or have something to do with Royal Purple there for a while? Um, I don't know. If it was, it was before my time. Okay, yeah, I think it was probably in the 80s or something like that. But, you know, he was kind of like, you know, kind of the guy that would get behind uh, a really, really good product. So tell us the origin of Royal Purple. Uh, well, Royal Purple's been around uh, since the 90s, I believe. Okay. And uh, we had a um, – the originator of it was really looking primarily on the industrial side of the business and looking for um, customers that needed more than what the most of the uh, big oil companies were, were providing. So he's, he looked at it and said, I need something that's got um, better wear protection, make things last longer, have that uh, – uh, cost of ownership um, feel a little bit lower, and to really differentiate that, he decided to make the oil purple. And um, since then, we've been the synthetic expert, and um, really looking at uh, along the way all the uh, products that we have either meet spec or go way beyond that, depending on what your needs are. So again, it's uh, everything's still purple and everything's still synthetic. Okay, so. It was originally intended, I mean, when you hear Royal Purple, Royal Purple, I mean, I'll get this straight here, Royal Purple, <laughs> it, uh, I associate Royal Purple with racing, racing yeah. oil. Am I correct on that? Yes. After um, we got the industrial business rolling, um, we decided that there was a similar need on the racing side of it. So you, you've got a lot of... of uh, uh, high revving, high heat, high pressure engines that are going out there. And they had a similar need to have that extra protection in there. And that's where uh really took off on the, the racing side of things. I know Chris has got a few more details you can throw in on that. Okay. Chris, on on I and I'm not I let's assume I know nothing about oil, which I don't really know a lot. I always get in get into with a friend of mine because he likes to take his oil over to the cat dealership over your caterpillar and have them run it through the little processing machine and break it down and talk about all the viscosity and the this and the that and all this other kind of stuff so give us a little breakdown on a little sto- quick story on how oil synthetic oils work versus let's just say conventional oil if i'm if i'm phrasing it right uh, you're 
phrasing it correctly. I mean, when people talk about conventional versus synthetic, they're talking about the base oil, which makes up the, the most of the volume of the oil. Mm-hmm. Into the base oils, you put additives that are intended to enhance the natural properties of the oil. The reason a synthetic-based oil, all, th- all other things equal, are going to be better than a conventional oil is because those base oils are more pure and more consistent. Uh, with a mineral oil, you could have some impurities such as uh, active sulfurs, uh, excess waxes that are going to inhibit the oil's life. They're going to inhibit how well the oil flows when it's cold. Uh, it's going to decrease the lubricity. With a synthetic oil, you have very consistent molecular structure of the hydrocarbons. You have no waxes. You have no active sulfurs. So you're starting out with a base that makes up most of the oil that's going to be more stable and offer higher performance as a starting place to put your additives into. Okay. Talk a little bit about the numbers, viscosity. Okay, so back in the old days, I'm an old schooler, and I'm dealing with vintage cars. I would run straight 30 weight, you know, let's just say Kendall GT1. I'd run that in my car. And this wintertime, and in the summertime, you know, if I was beating on a little bit more, I'd be running straight 40 weight. Then they came out with this multigrade stuff. And I always used to joke people, people and say, well, wait a minute, you run a 1030 or 10, does it, how does it, does it have a brain and know when it's like 10 and when it has to be 30? And how does that basically work? Let's assume, again, I know nothing, so explain it to me. <laughs> well, well, it's a common misconception. I mean, the most important number is the last number. Okay. So a straight 30, a 530, and a 1030 are all 30 weights. Okay. They are a 30 weight no matter what temperature the oil is. Gotcha. All oils thicken when they get cold and thin when they get hot. Okay. This number with a W is what's called the winter grade. And it's oh. an indication of how well it flows when it's cold. Even though the, all the oils are going to be thicker when they're colder, a 10W30 will flow better than it's, when it's cold than a straight 30. And a 5W30 will flow better when it's cold than a 10W30. But at the grading temperature for the viscosity grade, a 1030, a straight 30, a 530, a 030, they're all 30 weights. They're all falling the same range. Okay. Now, a lot of the newer cars are using, what, like a 515, a 520, or a 1020 or something like that. So they're using a lot thinner weight oil. And as it was explained to me one time, they're using – because the engine tolerances today – are a lot closer and a lot more precise than they were back in the old days. So how much truth is there to that? Yeah, there might be a little bit to it, but that's not really it. I mean, that's not the it? The whole reason they're doing it is for fuel economy. Oh, really? And Yes. And with quality of fuel having improved over the last few decades and fuel control, meaning there's not as much unburned fuel getting into the oil as there were with carbureted engines, it's safer to use a lighter oil. Also, oils are vastly better now than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. So they offer a higher level of performance than oils used to, so you can use that lighter oil, get a little bit better fuel economy because there's less drag on the engine, and still have adequate protection. Okay, so now Royal Purple. If I have a vintage car, okay, they say that these older cars are supposed to have, use oil with a higher zinc concentrate, I guess, or uh, content, Am, am I correct on that? Verse? Uh, mostly. The Most. Anti-wear additive. Okay. Contains zinc. The anti-wear additive is zinc dialkyl diphosphate, commonly called ZDDP. And most people just refer to it as zinc because that's the easiest part of it to say. Okay. Um, so the, there's a chemistry restriction on phosphorus. Phosphorus and zinc are in the same anti-wear additive. So if there's a restriction on phosphorus, there's a restriction on zinc. Uh, with your older engines, typically they do benefit a little bit from... Uh, a higher level of anti-wear additive due to the camshaft mostly. And uh, I wouldn't recommend a current API licensed oil, which is most of the oils you find on the shelf at the parts store, for vintage, especially high-performance vintage engines. Uh, in order to adequately, in, in fact, wonderfully protect those, we have a product line called HPS. It is an unlicensed performance upgrade oil and therefore has no chemistry restrictions. We put in it exactly what we want. And what we want is the best performing, the best protecting engine oil available. When you talk about viscosity and lubricity, what what's the difference there? What are we talking about? Uh, well, viscosity is what most people refer to as the thickness or thinness of the oil. Okay. Uh, it's how well the oil flows. Okay. With more viscous oil, think of like molasses. It doesn't flow very well. A light viscosity oil would be like vegetable oil. It flows a lot easier because it has a lower viscosity. Okay. Lubricity just has to do with basically slipperiness. Um, uh, so viscosity is going to play into that a little bit, but mostly lubricity is a separate property of the oil. 
going to be a property of the base oils, and there are also additives that enhance lubricity. Okay, so if when we talk lubricity and we talk slipperiness, let's say, so, so now the next word that comes to my mind is friction. So what you're saying is that oil can actually have a higher degree or lesser degree of friction due to lubricity and viscosity, kind of like? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, the, the name of the game in most lubricants is to reduce friction as much as possible. Most of that is done by making sure that the metal surfaces do not contact each other, um, which is the primary purpose of the lubricant. The next is the inherent lubricity of the oil. It, it, ultimately, it comes down to how much, how much shear force is required to move the oil around. I'm vastly oversimplifying it here, but uh, with a more an oil with greater lubricity, there's going to be less drag on the parts that it's lubricating. A lower viscosity oil also produces less drag on those parts. So a light viscosity oil that has a lot of lubricity is going to be more efficient than an oil with less lubricity and or higher viscosity. Okay. Now, if I have diesels, okay, so I run 7.3s and 6.0s, and they also say that diesels require a lot of zinc, if you will. Um, tell us a little bit about diesel oils. Well, uh, diesel oils are typically a little less chemistry-restricted than gasoline oils with respect to the anti-wear additive. Okay. Oh, that's changed to a certain extent with the latest license, the CK4 license. Um, some oil manufacturers also want to carry a gasoline license. Now they have to follow the same chemistry restrictions as the gasoline oil spec, so you would have less anti-wear additives. Um, really? opted to go yeah, heavy-duty only. So we don't carry a gasoline spec on our diesel engine oils. We have a little bit more anti-wear additive than some of our competitors with the same licensed product. The reason you want more anti-wear additive is that diesel engines are typically more heavily loaded, and they're expected to last longer. Uh, but really, the primary functional difference in how an oil is formulated, gasoline versus diesel, is the amount of detergents and dispersants additives that are in the oil to help deal with the soot. Gasoline engines just don't have to deal with that kind of dirtiness that a diesel engine oil does. So when you use the term detergents, and I remember hearing the commercials when I was a kid, heavy detergent oil, um, I'm thinking a cleaning uh, uh, ingredient? The detergent is not analogous to soap. Uh, it does help clean, but it's really uh, a detergent is helping to reduce acidity of the oil. It's helping to prevent oil from putting deposits on surfaces. And to a certain extent, it does help clean deposits. But it's not quite the same as soap. It acts differently. Okay. So if I, if I pick up a can of oil, what are the key ingredients that I need to be looking for when I'm reading the ingredients label on a can of oil, whether it's Royal Purple, whether it's Kendall, whether it's Valvoline, whether it's, you know, whoever? What are, I mean, what am I looking for? One thing to note is if you're comparing two different oils that carry the same API license, if you look on the back label, there's a little circular emblem that says API and some other letters and numbers. They have to all abide by the same chemistry restrictions. Okay. Typically, oil manufacturers don't publish elemental amounts because it's not really all that useful, but they're all going to be about the same if it's the same licensed product. So if you're looking for more of a certain thing, typically it's going to be an unlicensed oil, so the chemistry restrictions aren't there, and they will tout you know, loudly that there's an enhanced amount or more or something along those lines of zinc or ZDDP or anti-wear additive. That's typically the type of additive that is most talked about in the engine oil world. Okay, so let's assume there is, and we're familiar with the term private label, there's uh, companies out there that manufacture oil by spec for a private label, and then what do they have to comply with? I mean, and how much difference is there in, in, in those oils? Well, if it's a licensed product, then it has to meet the same performance requirements of a major brand that carries that license. Okay. Now, the, the higher quality oils, you know, you get into the premium synthetics, typically they're going to achieve higher performance than is required, like our oil does. But you are always guaranteed the minimum performance required by the API license that's carried. Now, if you opt to look for an oil that doesn't have a license, price is kind of your guide. If you're buying on the bottom shelf, at a gas station or convenience store, and it costs $2.50 a quart, that's probably not a very good oil. But if you go with a more boutique oil like Royal Purple or some of our direct competitors, even if it doesn't have a license, you're probably getting a highly protective oil, though it likely won't be warranty compliant for new cars, 
because it's unlikely. Okay. Um, Rusty, Chris, I want to thank you very much. That was great. Rusty, I want to give you a chance here to talk a minute. Um, who are some of the big-name guys that are running Royal Purple in the racing world? Our primary uh, driver that we have now is Dylan Hughes, and he's running in the Formula Drift series. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but have you ever seen some of the uh, Fast and Furious movies things uh-huh. like that, that came over from Japan? It's now a series uh, racing here in the U.S. Uh, uh, he had a really great year uh, this year, ended up uh, eighth overall. Uh, got on the podium a couple times, so it, it's uh, he's our, our main guy, and uh, he he's our the main sponsor. We're the main sponsor of him. Uh, we have a lot of fun with him doing some car builds. We've got uh, one of his here at the the show right now. Uh, he's our our primarily uh, our main sponsored driver. We have a few other regional guys that are out there, but uh, Dylan's our, our uh, workhorse. Okay, uh, we've got a few seconds left. Um, drag race guys, any drag racers using Royal Purple right now? Uh, not that we're aware of, or rather not that we sponsor. Oh, okay. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is we've got racers, both amateur, semi-pro, and pro that use our product, as well as repu- uh, reputable and famous engine builders. But most people in that class are going to use the oil of whomever sponsors them. Gotcha. Because it's an expense that they no longer have to deal with. Right. So we've managed to to have a, a few people that still use our oil, and we don't give them any money or free product. But the vast majority of professional racers are going to have an oil sponsor, and they're going to use whoever sponsors them. Okay, good. Um, Rusty, if people want to find out more about Royal Purple and where to get it, how do they go about doing it? Royalpurple.com, or check out any of our um, social pages as well. Uh, but we're at most of the major retailers. Uh, you can go in store and find it. You can go online and find it. So we got pretty good distribution uh, across the board. But if you want to find out more of the details, some of the stuff that uh, Chris was talking about, some of the uh, comparative testing against the competition, what goes into the, the formulations, things like that, uh, royalpurple.com is the, the place to go. Super. Well, Rusty, Chris, I want to thank both of you guys for uh, hanging out with us here at our special SEMA edition at Nostalgia Green and Cars. Wish you guys the best of luck. you got a couple more days over there. Have fun. I wish I was there. SEMA is a great place to be. Thank you, guys. Right on. Thanks for Appreciate your time. Appreciate it. All right. Royal Purple Rules. All right. See you guys. Take care. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to the special edition of SEMA at Nostalgia Green and Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. See you guys at some of the races. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.